Welcome to Bite at a Time Books Behind the Story, where we answer the questions you have about your favorite classic authors. What inspired your favorite author to write their novels? What was going on in the world at the time? Follow along with us as we tell you what was happening in the world while your favorite authors wrote your favorite classics. My name is Bree Carlisle, and I love to read and wanted to share my passion with listeners like you. If you want to know what's coming next and vote on upcoming books, sign up for our newsletter at biteatatimebooks.com. Be sure to follow my show on your favorite podcast platform so you get all the new episodes. You can find most of our links in the show notes, but also our website, biteatatimebooks.com, includes all of the links for our show, including to our Patreon to support the show and YouTube, where we have special behind the narration of the episodes. We're part of the Bite at a Time Books Productions Network. If you'd also like to hear a book by the author, check out the Bite at a Time Books podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Today we'll be talking about the works of Jules Verne. Verne's largest body of work is the Voyages Extraordinaires series, which includes all of his novels except for the two rejected manuscripts Paris in the 20th Century and Backwards to Britain, published posthumously in 1994 and 1989 respectively, and for projects left unfinished at his death, many of which would be posthumously adapted or rewritten for publication by his son Michael. Verne also wrote many plays, poems, song texts, operetta, libretti, and short stories, as well as a variety of essays and miscellaneous nonfiction. Literary Reception After his debut under Hetzel, Verne was enthusiastically received in France by writers and scientists alike, with George Sand and Théophile Gautier among his earliest admirers. Several notable contemporary figures, from the geographer Vivienne de Saint-Martin to the critic Jules Claretti, spoke highly of Verne and his works in critical and biographical notes. However, Verne's growing popularity among readers and playgoers, due especially to the highly successful stage version of Around the World in 80 Days, led to a gradual change in his literary reputation. As the novels and stage productions continued to sell— Many contemporary critics felt that Verne's status as a commercially popular author meant he could only be seen as a mere genre-based storyteller, rather than a serious author worthy of academic study. This denial of former literary status took various forms, including dismissive criticism by such writers as Emile Zola and the lack of Verne's nomination for membership in the Académie Française, and was recognized by Verne himself— who said in a late interview, the great regret of my life is that I have never taken any place in French literature. To Verne, who considered himself a man of letters and an artist, living in the pursuit of the ideal, this critical dismissal on the basis of literary ideology could only be seen as the ultimate snub. This bifurcation of Verne as a popular genre writer but a critical persona non grata continued after his death, with early biographies, including one by Verne's own niece, Marguerite Alat de la Fieu, focusing on error-filled and embroidered hagiography of Verne as a popular figure rather than on Verne's actual working methods or his output. Meanwhile, sales of Verne's novels in their original unabridged versions dropped markedly even in Verne's home country, with abridged versions aimed directly at children taking their place. However, the decades after Verne's death also saw the rise in France of the Jules Verne cult, a steadily growing group of scholars and young writers who took Verne's works seriously as literature and willingly noted his influence on their own pioneering works. Some of the cult founded the Society Jules Verne, the first academic society for Verne scholars, 
Many others became highly respected, avant-garde and surrealist literary figures in their own right. Their praise and analyses, emphasizing Verne's stylistic innovations and enduring literary themes, proved highly influential for literary studies to come. In the 1860s and 1870s, thanks in large part to a sustained wave of serious literary study from well-known French scholars and writers, Verne's reputation skyrocketed in France. Roland Barthes' seminal essay, Nautilus et Belleur Yves, The Nautilus in the Drunken Boat, was influential in its exegesis of the voyage's extraordinaires as a purely literary text, while book-length studies by such figures as Marcel Moore and Jean Chesneau considered Verne from a multitude of thematic vantage points. French literary journals devoted entire issues to Verne and his work, with essays by such imposing literary figures as Michael Boutour, Georges Brogard, Marcel Baran, Pierre Versens, Michael Foucault, René Bargevel, Marcel Lecomte, Francis Lecassin, and Michael Serres. Meanwhile, Verne's entire published opus returned to print with unabridged and illustrated editions of his works, printed by Livre des Poches and Editions Reconnaitre. The wave reached its climax in Verne's sesquicentennial year, 1978, when he was made the subject of an academic colloquium at the Centre Cultural International des Cerises La Salle and Journey to the Center of the Earth was accepted for the French University System's Agration Reading List. Since these events, Verne has been consistently recognized in Europe as a legitimate member of the French literary canon, with academic studies and new publications steadily continuing. Verne's reputation in English-speaking countries has been considerably slower in changing. Throughout the 20th century, most Anglophone scholars dismissed Verne as a genre writer for children and a naive proponent of science and technology, despite strong evidence to the contrary on both counts, thus finding him more interesting as a technological prophet or as a subject of comparison to English-language writers such as Edgar Allan Poe and H.D. Wells than as a topic of literary study in his own right, this narrow view of Verne has undoubtedly been influenced by the poor-quality English translations and very loosely adapted Hollywood film versions, through which most American and British readers have discovered Verne. However, since the mid-1980s, a considerable number of serious English-language studies and translations have appeared, suggesting that a rehabilitation of Verne's Anglophone reputation may currently be underway. Thank you for joining Bite at a Time Books Behind the Story today while we answered some of the questions you have about one of your favorite classic authors. Again, my name is Brie Carlisle, and I hope you join us next time when we answer more questions about one of your favorite classic authors. Don't forget to sign up for our newsletter at biteatatimebooks.com. Check out the show notes or our website, biteatatimebooks.com, for the links for our show.